pray. Lord, we are, um, yeah, it's good news to be reminded, Father, of your, the assurance that you give to us in your Son. We thank you that we have that as a firm and sure anchor for the soul, and I pray that our time together tonight is helpful to us and encouraging and and honoring and glorifying to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Psalm 26 is where we're going to be tonight. And so you can flip there or open there, scroll there, however you get there. It's okay. But we want to be looking at God's word tonight as we look at Psalm 26. Um... I don't know if you've ever looked at the Psalms this way before. So we talk all the time, right? The Psalms are divinely inspired songs. So that means, if they're divinely inspired, that means who wrote them? God. So God has written them. Have you ever considered the Psalms from the perspective that not only are they written by God, but they are also sung by God? And Jesus Christ being our representative, God-man, really, it's interesting to look at the Psalms from the perspective, through the lens of Christ, Jesus Christ, being the one who sings them. And oftentimes, very clearly, singing about himself, which is what we're going to see in Psalm 26 tonight. I titled tonight's Psalm, The Savior's Song, because... He's the only one that can really sing a song like this in all truthfulness. If you're going to, if you read through, we'll read through Psalm 26 here in just a moment. But if you look at the, what the psalmist says, and we do want, we will consider it from David's perspective. How can David say what he says here and how can we then be in agreement with it? But we got to first look at it from the perspective that Jesus Christ is really the only one that can sing a song like this. In fact, I would dare to say that as I read through it, I was like, I can't sing this song because what this song says is not true of me. I mean, the opening line is an invitation for God to judge him based upon his integrity. I don't know a person among mankind that openly invites God to judge them based upon their own integrity and is hoping for a positive judgment. For every single one of us, it's going to be a negative judgment if we're asking God to judge us based upon our own integrity. That's why I couldn't even get past past the first verse and I'm like, I can't sing this song. Nobody, and I continue to read through it and that's that's the theme, is this invitation for God to judge the singer of the song based upon their own integrity. And that's not a song any of us can sing. I like the way that Charles Spurgeon put it. Such an appeal is not to be uh, rashly made on any occasion. And as to the whole of our walk and conversation, it should never be made at all, except as we are justified in Christ Jesus. A far more fitting prayer for a sinful mortal is the petition, enter not into judgment with thy servant. And so really the only person that can sing this song in all truthfulness and honesty is the Lord Jesus Christ. But by virtue of being in Christ, we can sing it. 
we can sing of his rightness, his uprightness, his integrity, his faithfulness, his heart of worship for the Father. And then know that that is what's accredited to us. And then out of that, then I do, I read the rest of this and I go, and I do want to live a life of integrity like that. I, I mean, for the believer, right, all of us have, should have a desire to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Like, if North Hills Christian Church is your home and you don't want to be like Jesus, you're going to be very uncomfortable here. Not because we do it perfectly, but because this is what we're talking about all the time. We're talking about it from the pulpit. We're talking about it in the men's ministry. We're talking about it in the women's ministry. We're talking about the goal of each one of us being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so there is a point in which I read this psalm and I go, I can't sing it of my own integrity and rightness. I can sing of it because of Christ's right, his integrity and rightness. But man, I do want to be like this, this person. I do want to be a person of right, uprightness and integrity. So it gives me something to, to look to, to, to strive after as I'm in Christ as well. So uh, with that being said, let's read Psalm 26 together. Looking at it firstly from the perspective of it speaking about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ being the one who sings it. And then we'll look at it from the perspective of how can we then use it for our good and pursue God into being like Christ, like the psalm lays out for us. So, Psalm 26 of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. I hope you guys can see that as we're reading through that this is something that, again, none of us, no man, can rightly proclaim or sing to God based upon our own goodness and our own integrity. I mean, would, can you honestly say, like the psalmist says, vindicate me. Vindicate means to, to judge, to invite God into a position of judgment and authority and for him to look at the evidence that's laid before him and for him to make a right ruling. Would any of us, say to God, and this is why I said um, earlier before I prayed to begin our evening, you have to have a right view of God's holiness. For any of us, for those of us who have a right view of God's holiness, would any of us go to God and say, God, come in and judge me. I'm going to lay my life out before you. I'm going to lay out my entire life, all my deeds, and I want you to cast a judgment based upon what you see. There is not a one of us that would dare ask God to do that because we would all be found guilty in a second. But yet that's what the psalmist 
sings. And that's why this psalm is a, it's the Savior song. Jesus Christ is the only one that can honestly say, Father, come. And my life has been laid out before you from beginning to end. And I want you to look upon my life, look upon my deeds, look upon my thoughts, look upon my motives, look upon my affections, and I want you to cast a righteous judgment based upon what you see. Jesus Christ is the only person that can honestly pray that and say that and sing a song like that because he's the only one that will be found not guilty. Or would you be comfortable saying, um, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Is that true of you? Have you always trusted in the Lord without wavering, not only in your deeds, but also in your thoughts and in your feelings? You've always 100% believed in God and trusted God and didn't ever have an ounce of doubt or worry or fear or second thoughts of anything. None of us can say that. Or how about, I do not sit with men of falsehood nor do I consort with hypocrites. Have you, ever had, have, 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 have you ever had friends that have been completely faultless themselves as well? I think if we're being honest, all of us can say, not only am I guilty, but I've hung out with others who are guilty. Do we really hate the assembly of evildoers and not sit with the wicked? I think you could probably spend two seconds with yourself and you're disqualified. From that I know I could have I really washed my hands in innocence have I really gone around the altar of God proclaiming Thanksgiving aloud and telling of his wondrous deeds is that what marks my life have I always come into the assembly to worship with nothing but 100% an attitude of thankfulness and worship I've never had I've never come to church and ever had any mixed motives why I'm here what I'm hoping God will do. I'm always so happy to see everybody. I'm disqualified from singing this song. And then he ends it on, you know, 11 and 12. I walk in my integrity. My, st my, my foot stands on level ground in the great, great assembly I will bless the Lord. There's, there's only one person. If you view this psalm from the perspective of Jesus being the singer, then it makes perfect sense. Because it describes his, his, his deeds, his actions. It also describes his disposition and his heart. And, and that's the reason why David can sing it. And the reason why we can sing it is not because it's really true of us, but because we know it's true of him and we love him. And I want to be like him. Like I read this and I'm, I'm, that's not me, but I want it to be me. It'll never be me, but I still want it to be me. I know it's always him. It's all him. But I still, I want to be like Christ because I love him. And so then there comes a point in which I go, okay, this is not me. It's all you, Lord Jesus Christ. And for that reason, it's a psalm. It's the Savior song, and I worship him because of it. But then it reminds me of what the Scripture says about his perfect righteousness being accredited to me. Because I am in Christ, the Father looks at me this way. This is how he sees me. He doesn't see me by my, imperfect, my imperfections, my inconsistencies, my adulterous heart, my, my lustful desires that, that draw me away. I'm prone to wander and prone to leaving the God I've loved. I'm, 
I'm lured and enticed by my own sinful desires, as James 1 says. That's, that's me. But even though that's me, the Father looks upon the Son and accredits all of the perfect righteousness of him to me. And, and that frees me to then want to pursue him and love him and to live a life of integrity, to live a life of worship that this psalm is filled with. And so I think really there are two things primarily that we see in this psalm that I would like for us to consider in what we should be pursuing our lives tonight, and that is the theme of integrity and the theme of worship. You see integrity mentioned uh, a few times. The first is in verse 1, I have walked in my integrity. And then again in verse 11, but as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Whenever you're reading the Psalms, look for words that are repeated. And especially if you see a word that is mentioned at the beginning and mentioned at the end, you know that these two things serve as bookends to help us understand what's in the middle. And so there's a theme of integrity. Jesus Christ was a man of uprightness, a man of integrity, righteousness, right? And I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a man of uprightness. I want to be a man who, who's doing the right thing when nobody's looking because it's what's right in the eyes of the Lord. I want his standard of what's right and what's wrong, what's sinful and what's righteous. I want those things to be my standards and, I, and whether or not there's anybody around, I always know he's around. His, his ever watchful eye sees everything. And my life always is taking place before him. And so I'm mindful of that. And I want to be a man of integrity. I don't want my eyes to wander off of it, to, to watching things and seeing things that I have no business watching and seeing. I don't want to put my money, my effort, my, my energy into things that are not going to be fruitful in my progression into being made like Christ. And yet, I do that. I do those things. But I want to be a man of integrity. I would love to be able to say, prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. Right? He's talking about um, the, how thoroughly he wants God to, to see him. Don't just look on the outside, God. Don't just see what I do on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. I want, you to, I want you to examine, prove me, and test my heart and my mind thoroughly. Examine. And that's how thorough I want the, the integrity of God to, to dwell within me. I want it to permeate me. I want Christ's likeness to be a component of, of my, my entire being. I want to walk in faithfulness. I don't want to sit with men of falsehood. Really, verses 1 through 5 is this theme of integrity. I don't want to sit with men of falsehood, right? That harkens back to Psalm chapter 1. Right, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I don't want to sit with men of falsehood. I don't want to consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I want to be a man of integrity thoroughly throughout all, about, through all of my life, and I want it to show itself by who I associate with. And, and not, um, 
you know, in, in who I call my companions and people who I live life with, people that I sit with, I stand with, right? These are, these are word pictures to describe the, your people, the people that you call your people, right? The, the people that I live life with, the people I stand with, the people I sit with. I want them to be people of integrity. I want them to be people who love the Lord. I want them to be people who love the Lord more than I love the Lord so they can help me love the Lord more. And then he goes on to the theme of worship, verses 6 through 10. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. Going around the Lord's altar, being in the place of worship, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling of all his wondrous deeds. I was reminded of Psalm 69, 30 and 31. And it's specifically here he connects the idea of thanksgiving with worship. Psalm 69, 30 and 31 say, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. Thanksgiving, worship, singing and thanksgiving, he says, are more pleasing to God than you bringing your animal sacrifice. Thanksgiving and, and, worship, and, thanksgiving and singing is more pleasing to God than any amount of cash that you could drop in that offering basket any amount of cash that you could contribute online. Do you have a heart? This is, the, this is the person who wants to be like Christ. It's a person who is pursuing integrity and has a heart of worship, a heart that loves to sing specifically. I know for many of us singing is uncomfortable because we don't like the sound of our own voices. We would much rather hear Brittany and Amy and the other people, right? We just talked last Sunday about people using their gifts. Singers gotta sing. Preachers got to preach, givers got to give, and encouragers got to encourage. We understand that. But there is a sense, there is a part of singing in which every single believer should enjoy and partaking because we are proclaiming his excellencies and his goodness with the voice box that he has given to you. And whether or not you've got one vocal cord or two working vocal cords, you do the best you can to sing unto the Lord because he's worthy. And so a person who wants to be like Christ has a heart of worship, says, oh, Lord, I love the habitation of your house. I mean, this is, a, this is a heart that is engaged in worship. Do you love the house of the Lord? And honestly, do you know what that's going to look like practically in your life? Do you love your church? This, right, churches are local houses of the Lord that exist for worship. The purpose of coming to church, firstly and primarily above anything and everything else, is worship. And the house of the Lord was a place that existed for people to come and worship. Do you love your church? I do. I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. But we see that God makes distinction between worshipers and non-worshippers, right? Verse 9 and 10. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor with life with, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and those in whose right hands are full of bribes. God makes distinction between worshipers and non-worshippers, and he knows those who are his. 
He knows if you're really faking the funk or if you're really in it because you want to be like Christ. Do you really, is this the desire of your heart? As the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, sings this song and it's absolutely, completely true of him, is there any part of it that's true for you and for me? To be, have, to be a person of integrity and have a heart of worship, to be gathered into him and to not, when he comes and makes distinctions, I want to be gathered into his fold with the rest of his sheep, not separated with the rest of the goats. Because he will do that upon his day. And then he combines, verses 11 and 12 is the combination of integrity and worship together. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. Integrity, verse 11, my foot stands on level ground in the great assembly. I will bless the Lord. Worship in verse 12. I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me. Be gracious to me. That's our, that's our cry, right? Like, God, be gracious to me. I'm pleading. Just I, show me to be an object of your grace and your mercy. As I walk in my integrity, but also help me to be a worshiper. My foot stands on level ground in the great assembly. I will bless the Lord. And it reminds us that in the house of the Lord, we have a place to come where we can bring all of our cares, all of our burdens, all of our, all of our sins, and confess them to him. And know that we have been washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ. I can't sing this song, and you cannot sing this song either. But the Lord Jesus Christ does, and he has, and he sings it on our behalf. For those who are in Christ. And so, I was challenged, I was pierced, but I was encouraged, and then I was convicted and challenged to pursue, are my li is my life marked by these two things, integrity and worship? How would you answer that? Let's pray. Lord, I am, I'm incredibly thankful that I don't have to face you as the judge. I'm thankful that I, in looking to you, I have the ever consistent loving gaze of the Father. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ sings this song. I'm thankful that he sings it for me. I'm thankful that he sings it for all his people. I'm thankful that I'm in Christ. I'm thankful that you give me a desire for integrity and for worship. This is how, this is what I want my life to be marked by. At the end of the day, like if I go, the day I go to be with you, and my life has been marked by these two things, integrity and worship, I'll be completely happy. Help us to pursue these things, Lord, as we are already found in Christ, not in order to gain Christ. We cannot, Christ cannot be gained in this way. We cannot be upright enough. We cannot be righteous enough. 
We cannot do enough. We cannot pray enough. We cannot give enough to have your favor. But for those of us who are in Christ, this is the, this is the freedom. This is the life of worship that you grant to us. And there's great joy and, and challenge in pursuing integrity. But there's great joy and there's great reward in doing so as well. So you do your work, Father, in our lives as you see fit, as you know needs to be done. And we leave all these things within your hand. Praise your name and we praise you now in song. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys please stand for our last song? the th-